All right, welcome to our next session of Stranded in the Southlands. I'm your Game Master Porter, and tonight we have our regular cast of Aaron and Tiffany. Tiffany, go ahead and introduce your character. I play Mira Barkridge. She is a well-meaning, eccentric, earthen enchantress. Her trouble is does not kill. Her other aspects are horticulture for hire, herbalist hobbyist. She is the caretaker of the figs. She is a recently changed and acquired aspect of now you get the thorns. And her two gear aspects are the uh, warded amulet, um, which came in very useful last session, and the staff of summer flame. Awesome. Erin, go ahead. Hi, I'm Erin, and I play Eleanor Westergaard, and her aspects are a beguiling magical slayer. Her trouble is venom in my veins, and then her other aspects include fantastical facades, the Westergaard family business, lady on a mission, and her two gear aspects are negative energy ward and a fancy whip. All right, so last time was a pretty significant event where you finally got to meet the God King Irsu Comet in Paranu, the city of the dead. So the king of the city of the dead. And you were able to finally connect some major pieces uh, that had been floating around from the rest of our adventure. So Tiffany, how about you give us a quick recap of what happened last time? Oh, we had a... Uh pretty well-dressed scene of what uh, the day of grand audience is like in uh, Puranu and uh, set the stage for some um, some brutality that we were going to be witness to throughout the day. And um, we ultimately met the God King who seemed unamused, unaffected, frankly bored, with our proposal until we started maybe name dropping a little and mentioning some curiosities like the Oasis and our entanglements with Miss Kennet. And uh, he gave us a little bit of insight as to um, her motives. And ultimately he would not give us what we want unless Eleanor gave up five bottles of her blood and rightly so she was hesitant to give <laughs> and we made a pretty uh, impressive show of force to show that we mean business and um he was impressed enough with our skills and our uh i guess formidable magic that we negotiated that um that eleanor gave up the blood, and just as during this process, the effects were beginning to take hold, and she was about to devour a poor, unsuspecting victim, um, we acted quickly and gave her a fig in the moment um, in order to keep those effects at bay, um, which thankfully worked <laughs> i think to everyone's benefit um and uh yeah the god king kept his promise as far as we know and gave us all kinds of information and intel a scroll with a map 
all the instructions for the ritual that we are going to need in order to open the portal and um seeming pretty scary little intense stuff coming up i'm sure but um we're ready to face it and we'll take it as it comes but we got the info we came for and everybody came out alive on the other side of the exchange (laughs) Nice. So a few quick clarifications in there that are kind of mechanically important. Important. So he gave you the scroll for a ritual that will pass you into the shadow road. Take, uh, that'll take you into the shadow realm. He gave you a scroll that contains the ritual that will put you on the shadow road that will lead you to the anchor, which he revealed to be the island of Shabai far, far to the east. He told you the date and time of the arrival of the oasis at the anchor. And in order for you to perform that ritual, you have to do it in Coromel at a special pier. That will put you on the Shadow Road. Now, in order to do that, you either, one of you needs to learn how to lead rituals, i.e. picking up the ritualist stunt, or you need a ritualist to help you. Um, thus far, you have met two, maybe three qualified ritualists in your travels. You met Shalabi on your caravan to Peranu. You also met the raven folk, Thetra, in the Shadows of Blood back in Perbastet. She, remember, she led the ritual that did the tattoos on... Eleanor. Oh, yes, I so know that. I'll tell you straight up, she's a ritualist. So, and then presumably Nefrini is probably also a ritualist or probably has several at her beck and call. Ooh, I don't know if Nefrini's going to be one of those. Maybe one of those allies. that'd be a hard bargain. But, anyways, I just wanted to like level set that Shalabi yeah. is not the only ritualist you have met. She's just the most recent. Or Mira could learn it. Well, in order for Mira to learn it, she needs tutelage. Oh, so we need to seek out a ritualist, yes. and then she would have to learn it, and then it would be a stunt. Correct. Okay. Yes. Well, it lucky is... for us, we're headed. We're, it sounds like we're headed back to Perbastet. So you have options. So, so. You, I just want to bring up that you have uh, the related to that ritual. You either need to learn from one of those ritualists, okay. or you need to take one of those ritualists with you to Coromel. <laughs> Or find another ritualist. In Cormel. Which is also possible. Yes. So anyway, those are that's a factor I just want to make sure is ex, is explicitly clear. Okay. Cool. Also, uh, God King Irsu uh, gave you the location of a cat slide alley in Paranu that would take you to Perbastet directly. Ooh, we get to do a cat slide alley. We, it's an option Ooh. that you would be silly not to use. I feel like shoots and ladders, where we're going to hit the big shoot that's going to send us all the way back to the beginning. Ah. When you're like on, you know, I don't know, square 91 or 92, and you just, woo, boom. (laughs) But as you like to remind us, with 10 levels of experience, so we're going back (laughs) to the beginning, but like pro status. Yeah, you guys are. Level 10 characters. Yes, that's right. Last time. Yeah. So with that, let's go ahead and jump in so we didn't really get inside eleanor's head last week 
when she was overwhelmed with the blood hunger when God King Ursu was draining her. And then she fed on the fig. We kind of moved through that quickly. So as, as Eleanor is in the room, is in their in-room, that very night you insisted on no more talk. I'm going to bed. Stop talking, Mira. And you went to bed. Yes. Eleanor is asleep. And in your dream, you are standing on, you're standing in a, in a, in a, a room. Big stone walls rising up the sides, like a dungeon or a cell or something like that. And you look down at your hands and pouring out of your wrists is just floods of crimson blood and it pools around your feet and it just keeps cascading out and next thing you know it's up to your knees and then it's up to your waist and then it just keeps rising and next thing you know it's up to your chin and you're floating in this what is now an ocean of blood as the walls disappear around you and you start seeing waves forming in the red sea around you and you're trying to swim and keep yourself afloat uh, as and suddenly a wave crashes over you and you sink into the crimson depths and then suddenly beneath your feet you feel solid ground as a spire of rock shoots you up out of the water and you're sprawled on a tower of stone standing above the ocean of red crashing against the spire around you and in your hand is a golden fig and you've seen these figs many many times but this one is like the size of a of a basketball it's huge in your hands and it's glowing, shimmering, radiant, radiant glow. And you hold to it like a, like a, like a, like a life preserver. And you take a deep, deep bite of soft flesh and you feel juice running down your chin. And you bite again. And you bite again. What did that fig feel like? As she's sitting there on the tower of that rock, everything's very cold. And as she is holding this fig, it's radiating warmth, but not just heat warmth, like the warmth that you feel like deep within your soul. And so as she takes a bite of this and swallows it, she can feel this little bit of warmth. She can feel it all slide all the way down inside of her and start to glow and start to radiate. And so she takes another bite and another bite as if when you're freezing cold and you start to drink hot cocoa <laughs> and that warmth that you can just feel warming your, your bones. Mm -hmm. 
and it starts to warm her and she can feel her whole body start to radiate the same warmth and the same the same life force that this fig has and she's clinging to it this becomes her lifeline the only way that she's going to the only way she's going to make it to survive so you're lying on that slab of stone lying on your back and you can hear the red waves crashing against the spire down below and you look at your hands and they're tingling and sparkling gold just like the fig had moments before and you feel a new sensation a deep pit in your stomach and you 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 climb to your knees and then to your feet and you look below and you see the red waves crashing against the spire and then off in the horizon line there's a red a deep red sunset on the horizon. And then suddenly you see a speck, a black speck, far, far in the distance. And it's hurtling towards you. And it gets bigger. And it gets wider, long, thin, plain of black flying towards you. And this pit in your stomach just gets heavier and weightier. And you find yourself, it pulls you down to your knees. And as the shape gets closer, it, you, it starts taking, taking on more definition. And it looks like bony, black, shadowy, outstretched bat wings. And a face that looks like something between a bat and a human and fangs enormous fangs and it comes rushing at you and the face gets bigger and bigger and its mouth opens and as it comes crashing into you you wake up and you sit up in bed in a cold sweat Whew. and the night is silent And out your window, you see some fires dancing from the streets as the, the revelers from, the, from the, the great square move through the streets. And you, the only thing you're hearing is your own breath. Mira is quietly sleeping on the other side of the room. And deep in your soul, you know that he is here. So we have a new campaign aspect. He is here. So you don't know, you have this feeling in your bones that you have not you've never experienced before oh and you have God. no way to you don't know how you know this but you know that he is he is nearer than he has been since you've left the oasis oh my gosh okay. you don't think he's close are we being pursued <laughs> <laughs> always oh. always pursued but 
you feel like he is on his way to you. Oh, no. So we have a new aspect. He is here. Do we also have pursued still? I feel like we... we no, better. actually, pursued is... Uh, is it still in play? Um, no, because at this point, Meshkenet's not coming for you. Right, she's making us come she's to her. She's making you come to her. So that is our aspect. That is, is here. Yeah. Oh, But the bounty is still out on us, right? Like the Moonlit King's ransom memo is still out to like the heads of state yes, around the realms. That is not the theme of the moment. It might come back. But in okay. the mo at this moment, like it's it's on the back burner. We got bigger fish to fry. Exactly. At the moment. So, what does Eleanor do? Does she go back to sleep? Does she? Eleanor sits up, takes a few moments to realize that it's okay. She's safe. She's in her room. No one else is there. She calms her breathing. She goes, and is our window open? Yeah. Oh, it is open. Okay. Well, it can be. You, it has been open many times before. Your choice. Um, she probably goes and walks up to the window to kind of cool herself off. If there's any breeze coming in, just make sure everything is okay. Checks the door. So looking out the window, there's the heavy cloud cover that is always over per anew, and you can see a little bright spot where a full moon might be behind the clouds. She's definitely feeling like it is time to get back to the Oasis ASAP. We need to, we need to get out of Paranu. We, she does not want to take this guy on. He is bad, bad news. He was the big bad of their whole region that they were fighting. He's an ancient vampire lord. He will, well, I don't know. I'm a level 10 character now. (laughs) <laughs> um but oh, wow you guys have really latched on to that <laughs> i'm not a novice anymore like i'm i'd probably give him a good fight but he's still gonna probably he is big me. and scary yes. yes so we need to to get out of here as fast as we can it's not something i'm gonna wake Mira up over um she's just gonna get back into bed and uh try to go back to sleep okay and i will uh, probably try to get Mira to leave Paranu as soon as possible tomorrow morning. Okay. Very good. So, the next day, what would you like to do? So the next day we get up, and I'm assuming we go have breakfast. Yeah, I think we need fuel to make a plan. But I... I almost think that, truthful to Mira, I think her head is on such a swivel and she's, I think, operating at such high RPMs in terms of like, okay, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? That we may ask for breakfast to be brought in (laughs) because maybe go down the street, go pick up a couple of, you know, hot buns or something because like we need to pack up and we need to go but we need to make this plan in utmost secrecy because, you know, we've got at least because obviously Mira doesn't know any of this, but Lisa waking up, that's, that's where Mira's head's at is that we got to 
we got to get to that cat's light alley and we got to go, but we need to be able to talk frankly and privately about everything that yeah. we have in front of us. Yeah. So we're not going anywhere. Okay. We'll cool. send out for food, but we're within private quarters. That's very doable. Got- okay. So you have a private planning morning. Let's not go through the, the discussion of that. What do you choose to do? What is your, what are you going to do? I, I think our most trusted, so we need, so in this off screen debate about, you know, how do we get to where we need to go? What do we need to do? Um, Mira's feeling is, um, I think the most trusted um, ritualist among the three, you know, we met Shalabi on our travels and she did us a cool favor, but I think that um, we really had this rapport and this bond with Tetra. Yes. And I think that that would be sort of the person to go to because I know that we can also be safe if it like, I don't know, we might, does she need to like learn this over a course of a couple of days, weeks, whatever. We need to be like in safety among friends. So going back to Perbestet and kind of chilling with the shadows of blood for a while would keep you in protection as well in your sort of current state. Yes. As among friends, as well as, um, you know, give Mira the time to really study the time she needs with Tetra. So I think that's the first and place we go. And you saved Tata, there. and you broke your big staff to do so. You know, so I, I don't think, I don't think that will go unnoticed oh, from, yeah. from there. Like I think that they welcome us back with open arms. If we're going back to Parabastet, which it seems like that's what we're going to do. I feel like what we're doing is going back to Parabastet. We're going to, you're going to learn the ritual and then we are going to go in. We're going to attempt to save Tomlin. Um, and then we will go back up to Cormel, hit the shadow road, possibly with Tomlin, possibly without, depending on what happens. And then we will enter the shadow realm and we'll try to get to the anchor point. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel like that's what we're going to do. Um, When we're chatting about breakfast, it seems like Mira is pretty on board to just get to that cat slide alley and go. I don't know if I want to, like, worry her. She's already really worried about Tomlin. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to worry her about the fact that I think Mm -hmm. Darius Obliviat is on our tail. Would you give me a focus roll, please? Difficulty two. Ooh, that was not so good. That's a negative one on the dice. And I suck at focus. You do. Okay. That's a negative one focus. So I definitely... Mira is very (laughs) aware that throughout this entire... Throughout your discussion, Eleanor is constantly, like, looking at the window. Like, she's always checking... And she doesn't even seem like she's entirely <laughs> aware of it herself, but Mira picks up on it. So Eleanor is always just unconsciously looking at the window like there's something over her shoulder, that she's, something she's looking for that's not there. So I, I mean, Mira definitely notices that, especially because... Her focus is pretty spectacular, um, <laughs> but um, but she's a pretty keen observer of people in general. Um, 
And of course, you know, her closest friend, you know, she's going to pick up, like if something's wrong, like she can pick up on a vibe pretty quickly. And, um, and I think because it seems like she is shaken, you know, her, her best friend who was this like enforcer is now like shaken and she definitely wants, she definitely wants to, she asked her, she said, is, is there, are you all right? Is there something I need to know? What's going on? Oh, um, I, Paranu is just, it's not a good place. Don't you think we should, I, I like our plan that we have, and I feel that, um, we should put it into action. We've, we've come what we, we've come, and we have gotten what we needed, and I feel that we should leave, as soon as we can. And and I'm fine going back to Carbastet. I think that it is it, it's home. It's it's home away from home. So yes, I think we should go back as soon as possible. So Pause. she definitely Quick side note that I forgot to mention after you woke up from your dream sequence, your amulet was glowing when you woke up. <laughs> My amulet was glowing? Yes, the negative energy ward was glowing. Just hers? Just hers. Do vampires have negative energy? Oh, yeah. Oh, no! Can he, like, get me in... What? What is it where you... Um, you know when you, like, leave your body and you, like, the astral plane? Astral project. Yeah, astral projection. <laughs> so... Since you are a an, an ex-vampire hunter, like, you know some of this stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yes, some vampires can astral project. <gasps> yes, vampires do negative energy draining on people. That's uh, one of the... When they're, when they're feeding, they're not just physically drinking the blood. When they're feeding on a live, living thing, they are actually draining their life force. As Ooh, well. like that thing on Hearthstone. What is it? Life drain? <laughs> is that what I That's have? what you're referencing? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Nerd. No, I love Hearthstone. <laughs> I love Hearthstone. I do too. It's a great Shadow game. Shadow Life, life steal. steal. Anyway. So I life steal. That's what, so that's, and that's why <laughs> vampires drinking wine, drinking blood from a wine glass is not as satisfying. It's like the physical feeding but it's missing the life energy. So anyway, yes, vampires also Ooh. frequently have mind control powers. And a whole, so, like, vampires are just, like, walking beacons of powerful negative energy badness. So this so, ward wouldn't protect you from, say, them, like, ripping your throat out. But it might protect you against mind control or... Oh energy <gasps> so so how close was he no it was glowing faintly ah! it's not glowing so, now but okay. that was gonna be my question is it's, it's not like a permanent nope. state where it's like she's got like a beacon nope. on her and mira's like... didn't glow mm. okay okay So with that, with her sort of 
dodgy, I, obviously. <laughs> totally being cagey. And, you know, it's one of those things where, especially with the way we left things last night, I know. I'm picking up that something's wrong. But if she's not ready to tell me about it now, I trust her that if it was important enough for her to tell me, then I then she would. Oh, so no, I not feel re- bad because it's totally important enough to tell you. This is where Mira's head is at, that if it was, like, oh. of the utmost, like, urgency, then she would have said something. But if she's not, you know, maybe she's just uneased based on stuff. Maybe, who knows? She's suspect. And she's still going to maybe, like, eh, double, you know, check with her every now and again with an are you sure? She's not 100% satisfied with Eleanor's answer, but she'll take it. Okay. okay. She's not going to press. Okay. For once. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So I think that we're agreed that we're ready to go to the cat slide alley. Um When Eleanor did the cat slide alley, it was over 250 years ago. Mm -hmm. It happened by accident. So Eleanor doesn't know how to do this. It's, yeah. Yeah. So I guess we know where to go, but we don't know what to do. That is correct. We should probably gather some provisions just in case because we're going back to Parabastet. Although we have friends there, sort of. I, guess I mean, I think we we have enough that has gotten us through up to this point and enough sort of like traveling supplies and, you know, things that we've acquired in town, I think, in our many outings. Um, I would just like to say, just so it's for the record, that when we sort of check out with the family who owns the inn, I want to make sure that they are paid handsomely for the safety and discretion that they have offered during our stay. Yeah, they nice. did great. Actually, for Paranu being this big, scary place, I feel like it's been the safest, happiest, like, calmest time that we've had in this campaign. It's true. You got a really we, good recommendation. Like, uh... Five stars on Yelp, for real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Purpose Debt, people tried to kill us. Nuria, people tried to kill us. Paranu? No, everyone left us alone. Well, I mean, there was this sort of ghostly messenger who made their way past the front <laughs> door and, you know, <laughs> disappeared on a, you know, ghostly rocket pack delivering, you know, <laughs> a very threatening missive from our greatest enemy. But, you know, other than that... Other than that, it was great. Other than that, <laughs> other than a really horrific messenger... It was actually pretty, uh, I mean, pretty I, safe and secure. I feel like yeah. the God King was pretty amenable. Like he was, he was nice. Yeah, you guys made a good show of force when he tried to blow you out the door. Yeah, yeah, we did. After he, you know, sacrificed a dragonkin on a platinum altar of blood, and you know, the I think there's a factor here that everyone—it's a town full of monsters, so everyone assumes that everyone else is reasonably badass. So it's kind of like everyone walking around the wild west with a revolver on their hip yeah i just don't feel like it was as scary as i thought it was going to be yeah that's fair and maybe it's because we're level 10 characters <laughs> and as as far as the accommodation that's all i was trying to say is as yeah, far as yeah, the yeah. accommodations we're going and what we're taking with us is we'll be a little lighter in the purse because i feel like our host should be paid handsomely for the services provided, because 
um, we are very grateful. And I also want to, you know, from one human to another, I want to set them up in a way that, you know, ensures their safety as best we can after we leave. How many figs do we have left after all we of this? We have seven figs. Seven. Oh, yes. I wrote that down. Okay. Seven Our figs. count is at seven. Ooh, we're almost halfway through our carton. It's true. Man. Although I think it's interesting that we've met a few people that don't want them, that don't really even care about them. Like, I felt like they were sort of our golden ticket to get into anything we wanted. And I mm. think it's interesting that we've met a few people now that are like, eh, I don't need that. Like, it's just... Both of them undead. Both of them undead. But I just think it's interesting that mm -hmm. they are important to some people, but other people, they're not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I think we are going to gather our stuff. I think we're paying the uh, hotel people handsomely. Um, I think it's probably Mira. I think Eleanor is Eleanor is very distracted. She's like, we got to get out of here now. I'm sure Mira notices how hastily and she's just packing and getting everything. Like, she's done. We're leaving now. Mm -hmm. Trying not to, like, upset you or get you to, I mean, obviously you notice something is up. But she's just, like, throwing everything in the bag. There's no rhyme or reason. She's just like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay. So how do you make your way across town to the location of the cat slide alley that he gave you? Quickly. Very quickly. On um, the carpet or on foot? That's my question. I think let's just get on the carpet. Like, we are leaving. Let's just get out of here. Who cares who sees us? Okay. Okay. If Mira so. doesn't want to, you can say. No, so. my initial thought is like, why would we be ostentatious now? We do not want to get, you know, snatched or entangled on our way out the door. We are so close. Why threaten okay. our undercover? Yeah, you're right. Sort of. Okay. Low, we can roll radar vibe. We can just put robes on and go. We can walk. I'm sorry. I take it back. Okay. I take it back. I think maybe at the door, Eleanor's like, "Hey, let's get on the carpet." Yeah, maybe cooler heads prevail. Just like, no, we got to be like, no. Okay. Yeah. okay right. So Mira talked her down. And are you glamoring? Yes. We're absolutely glamoring. Okay, I'll roll. I know you want me to roll. <laughs> I can see that look. Ah, shit. That's a plus two. Okay, so that is a success with a complication. Ugh. Okay, well, at least we're glamoured. Okay. So, you are... We look you, like different people. Yep, you look like different people. And you are... As you leave Can the hotel... Can our complication be that it looks like we have a tail, like we're cat folk, but we look human on the front side, but then we look like we have a tail on the back side? You have a like tail, a just not that kind of tail. <gasps> what kind of tail? The, someone the, the skulking in the shadows. Oh, no! So, you no! notice as you've been walking It's that for... grumpy vampire. We're taking him out for once and for all. <laughs> it is that grumpy I vampire. I knew it was him. Uh, met, I think it was Sid? Sai? Let's look at our notes. Sal. Sal. That's right. Sal. It was Sal. But he's not alone. Oh, we're taking oh, that. Oh, no. There are two friends. other 
there are two other vampires, and from the way they're dressed and carry themselves, you're pretty sure that they're the Shazerites, the same kind that that uh, attacked the uh, that attacked Herix. Mm. Um, that same group. They're the very the uh, very classy, well dressed upper kind of upper crust style of, of vampires within the city. You've never really encountered the other clan. So what, just the kind with a vendetta against us. Right. Who is the other clan? The other group is the Nesferati. Okay. And they are not as nicely dressed. They're Yeah, they're more of a low life street. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So it looks like Sal with two Shazarites with you. Um, and they're following you, but they, they, they're following you with a, you're pretty sure they can't see through your disguise or anything, but they're, but they're, they definitely are following you since you left the hotel. Mira, do you see, do you see these people following us? Do you see the, the three people behind? I do. I believe that is our friend from the other night, and I believe that those are two other vampires with him. Um, the ones that tried to beat up our dear friend, Herrix. You are now pretty close to the, uh, to the Cat Slide Alley. You, c- you have a choice. You can deal with them, or you can make a run for it. Hmm... Do you think that we should do you think we should just run as fast as we can to the alleyway? I'm what's sure. what's around? Yeah. So what is like what is the immediate sort of reach and vicinity yeah. of our current location? So you are moving through an area that is um fairly tight streets. Um a cart could move through here one way. If two carts came up to each other, one of them would have to like back up. It is it's kind of narrow like, streets. Yeah. It but there's frequent little openings into little into small squares, and a lot of the buildings are resi- are like residential, townhome, apartment, or storefronts with housing above type of scenarios. And how does this cat slide alley work? You don't know. So what has he told us? What do we need to, like, what are he the instructions? He gave you a location. That's all. He did not actually give you instructions. So what is the location? So he gave you an, he gave you an, uh, an address of an alley off of a, a road that you're heading towards. That's all he said was go to this alley yep. and walk and go down it? Yep. And are we close to the alleyway? You're close. Okay. It's a... It's a, it's, it's a few blocks away. Okay. So Mira, do you think that we should, um, do you think that we should try to shake these guys off or do you think that we should just run? My instinct is to run. Although I think that since the last time we entangled with this individual, we had a hard time with the two-on-one scenario, and I'm not super liking the being outnumbered situation. So I think if we run, we may be able to do something that would at least obscure our departure so that we could disappear. 
as they perceive us. It's true. I could veil us. I could make us invisible. Thing is, Mira, I, I'm just worried. I'm worried that if, that if they know that we're here, they might go tell other people that we are here and where we went, and that could be dangerous for us. Uh, I don't believe that these vampires are the only ones. The only ones who want us or know that we're here. I think. I think we might need to dispose of them. In the so, old-fashioned way. <laughs> so does, um, so the exact moment of being followed, that does not constitute combat, correct? Yet? Not yet, no. <laughs> um, so, Mira's thinking about the last time we were in crowded places and uh, we had to shake a tail and uh, how the last town square fared the last time she had some firepower at her disposal. That was levels ago. It was. And, you know, it was not the staff of Summer Flame at that point. True. Um, So I I think what, what I would like to attempt is as we sort of hasten our step, um, we pick up the pace and try to lose them. And I'd like to kind of turn the staff of force, uh, staff of summer flame around. And I want to use my heat object stunt. Okay. And that's why I'm kind of wondering like what's around, like any fruit carts or hay bales or canvas you know, awnings or anything that I could use to create plenty a- of canvas awnings. I would have, uh, if, if you would like to declare that there is a hay, ba- that there is a cart with hay bales, you can declare that with a fate point. That's a, that's a declaring a scene detail, which mm-hmm. is easily, that's very conceivable under these circumstances. So if you would like to make something be there, I will say that there's can there's plenty of canvas co- uh, um, awnings. That's fairly typical. But those would be a but. What I want to make sure I want to effectively cause a smoke screen, but it'll be like a fire screen. Yeah. <laughs> I want to create a a giant flame that will become an obstacle in between sure. them and us. I wonder if we should talk to them. I'm just curious, like why are they following us? Like why do they care about us? I, I wonder I just... if since we've discussed. Ahead of time now, we know that we're going straight to the Shadows of Blood. I wonder if maybe they would know. And we're just going to have to see if they have any intel as to kind of what the local vampire troops around the realms are doing and what they're up to. I know. I just want to know, like, why do they care about us? Like, why do the Shazerites care what we're doing? Like, I understand why they were upset at us. You know, because when we were with Herricks, because we were with Herricks. Now we're not with Herricks. Now we're just random people. So, like, why do they care to follow us? And Eleanor wants to know. Like, she's afraid because of what this, like, dream, premonition, whatever she's feeling. But she also, like, this hunter inside of her is, like, what is going on? And why, why do you care about us so much? 
You shouldn't mm-hmm. care about us. We are not big players in this city. We're we're just travelers passing through. Why are you taking this time to follow us? Okay. That's that's totally fair. And I can 100% see that, especially with everything that she's kind of keeping to herself. And that's I know. where she's probably landed. Because um, obviously, Mira doesn't know that whole aspect of it right. all. So, right. Um, so... In the I course guess just of a for bit of your the, discussions, Eleanor realizes that the illusion that she did was kind of less than a quali- her normal quality, and you realize that they've probably been able to. That's probably what tipped them off is they probably got glances of like, wait a second, was that that like, ooh, let's something's off. Let's follow those people that just left the hotel where we know they're staying. You realize that the illusion you did was not your normal quality. Because I'm so, like, not focused. Totally. And, okay. So as we're walking, and I, I know they're following us, um, I'm looking for an opportunity where we can just kind of, like, duck into a little, like, alcove. Sure. Um, just because I want to get the jump on them if I can. I do want to talk to them, but I, I want to have the upper hand. So this place is... Um... This place is lousy with little side alleys or other streets. Think like the medieval quarter in Barcelona. Oh, yes. Or, Although, I don't know. Maybe we just want to face them out in the middle of everything. I, I think actually when you are confronting someone, it's better to be out in the open. Because once you go into a side alley, anything can happen. Whereas if you're in the middle of a big square and you just want to talk, if things start happening, people are going to see. If you would like a square coming up on the next major intersection is a a square with a small fountain in it. Okay, we're going to wait there. As we get to the uh, Mira, we need to stop this fountain. We need to find out what these people want. Um, Be ready with your staff. And let's see why they're following us. Mira just stands sort of like agog, like giant eyes, like, what? You want to stop? You were the one this morning who was like, couldn't even fold your clothes in your sack. You were just like, let's go, go, go. And now you want to stop. But but like totally without even vocalizing any of that, like she sees the urgency and the determination in Eleanor's face and in and in her voice. She knows she will not be swayed. So she and arms up looks and at Mira and, says, and now they get the, the thorns. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna invoke that right. for Mira. <laughs> so how what, as they catch up to you in the square, we with turn the fountain, to face them. Okay. Do We're you let ready. the do you keep the glamour the 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 faulty glamour up or do you let it go? So what is the faulty glamour? Like it's on, but it like flickers once in a while, and yeah, we there's... keep it on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, are you standing, like, shoulder to shoulder? Are you sitting casually on the fountain? How are you... Yeah, we're standing shoulder to shoulder. We turn and we face them. Okay. So, a little ways back, they pause. And I lock eyes with Sal. Yeah. At that moment, they they all stop. And they kind of look at Sal and they converse for a moment. We're taking the stance of, like, when you see a wild animal, what is it, like a 
I can't remember if it's a bear or a cougar. I probably should look this up in case it happens to me. <laughs> but, like, where is it when you, like, try to look bigger than you are and you're like, I'm a bear! <laughs> Don't come by me! I will eat you! <laughs> That's what we're doing. So, you guys, uh, the, um, the two Shazerites chat with Sal for a minute, and Sal looks... I think it's a cougar, by the way. I think the bear you play dead. That sounds right. Okay, we're doing it like they're cougars. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, the two Shazerites turn and talk to Sal. Sal looks very nervous. Oh, he better. And I'm they rip chat. His throw out. And he... They, pro, they, they start marching forward with their, like... <laughs> Badass swagger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm Sal like, is... I'm like looking at Mira like, you gotta, we gotta do this. Sal is hanging ah! behind them. So the two of what them... What a little oh, he's yellow a... belly. He is a pansy. Oh! So the two Shazerites walk up and uh, both of them are tall, slender, shaved heads, crisp... Um, crisp silk shirts. One of them on the right is, uh, is a, is a uh, kind of a charcoaly gray, uh, silk shirt. The other one is a, uh, soft rose pink silk shirt with a wide open V, uh, neck coming down with some loosely, some loose, um. A perfect place for a W is what you're saying. Whoa, okay. <laughs> a, uh, with a, uh, some. <laughs> Laces across the, going across the front, so showing off some really well chiseled, some well chiseled pecs underneath. He's getting a W. And (laughs) they're both wearing, um, they're both wearing black leather pants with a wide belt and a, uh, they're pissing me off. Silver belt loop. Get to this. And they come walking forward and they both have a, have a bit of a sneer going. And, the one on the left in the charcoal gray shirt approaches. So, where are you headed here? Why, why do you care where we're going, my friend? The one in the pink shirt chimes in. Until you decided to slaughter our family and side by side with that. That mongrel, Herrix. Oh, really? You're not that petty, are you? That was not personal. That was business. You know how business is, don't you? Gray shirt. Absolutely. So is this. And he, uh... He reaches back behind his back and pulls out a really... I'm going to um, grab my whip, and I want right. to, like, whip his hand really fast. Can okay. I make a fast So he's going to pull out a really wicked-looking no, knife. No, he's not. I know, I know. And you're going to and you're gonna whip it. So, fast. Whip it. Whip, whip it, it good. good. <laughs> DDR from the 90s. Okay, oh. my fast is a plus two. Okay. All right. Come on. Um, I might use a fate point to add a plus for that. So let's see what he gets. He is he is rolling a three with heroic scale because he has permanent vampire blood. You can ma- easily match that when you spend your thirsty. Shit. So he gets a four plus his heroic scale ah! gives him a five. 
So he is faster than you unless you want to do something about it. I'm going to use my thirsty because I have cleared all my boxes thanks to that lovely fig. So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six So that gives you a plus two and equalizes your scale. So that means he's really only at a four. So that actually puts you in the lead. Oh, well then sweet. We're just going to do that. All right. So. So as he reaches for it, I grab my whip super fast and and I... uh, I hit his hand, and can I knock the knife out as he's grabbing it, or do I just, like, whip his hand really hard? I am fine with you knocking the knife out of his hand. Okay, I knock the knife out. I, like, really don't want to have a confrontation. I just really want these guys to leave us alone. So, he's pulling the knife out. You, as it it comes out from behind his back, suddenly your, your whip lashes out, smacks out of his hand, and you are, um... Your face is slightly contorted with a bit of that vampiric touch. And Mira recognizes what is happening. And you are amped up. I wouldn't do that, my friend, if I were you. And the two of them look at each other. And they nod. And they both come marching forward. And they both kind of like pump their fists out. And they're ready to roll. And they come walking forward right at you. They're not paying attention to Mira at all. This is the time for the summer flame. Woochoo! Yes, it is. Um, uh, so I'm going to use my uh, my stunt so that I am going to attack all creatures in the zone. All creatures of my choosing. Not like everyone who's standing around or like... It's, I want to get both of them. It's pretty indiscriminate, but they are in a they're in they're not yet in your zone and uh any um anyone who was around has quickly cleared the way because um they all see that something's about to go down and people are scurrying out of the way. So yeah, they're in their own space. Okay. Just checking. Um, you might set things on fire in the scene. But no Happy people. to do that as long as it's not, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like before. Totally. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I see. As soon as I see them take a single forward step, yeah, it's uh, it's fireball time for ah. sure. Yes. And and with that, as I poise, I say to Eleanor, "Now we know what they're after. Now we run." And so here comes the fireball, and we bolt. I mean, I need to know more. We gotta take these guys out. They just want, they just want revenge for what happened in the bar. It's that simple. It's true, but why is Sal with them? Because he told them where we were and, or who we were, and they want. I'm sure want to make good. He's the broker. He want. They want to make sure true. that it's his true. word okay. is good. Either okay. way, it's fireball time. Okay, Mira's gonna run. I hope Eleanor follows. Here we go. <laughs> All right, so it's um, brutal plus two. Still, my brutal's at a zero. So here we go. So I'm gonna suggest that rather than trying to actually hurt them, that you try to just create a big flaming screen with your fireball and give yeah. yourself an advantage of like fiery, adv- fiery lead or something. And I can like that. veil us too. My next action can be like cloak us invisible. So you do fire invisible, gone. Okay. Cool. So in that um, case, you're rolling a difficulty two. Okay, so um, my brutal is zero, but I got two on the dice. 
and my stunt is um, brutal plus two. So would there that be go. a four? Yep. Yep. There you go. Cool. So you send out your the the fireball shoots from your staff. It hits the ground in front of them and explodes in this massive uh, ball of flame and smoke. And they're coughing and waving and like they're. Nice silky shirts are like burning. Good. And they're like patting out, like, ah! And you guys turn and book it. So, yes. They're going to be pursuing you, but you get a, you get a, an aspect of uh, a fiery lead. Can I try to bail of... us? Yes, you may. I'm using clever. Okay. Oh, no. That is a plus one. Ooh, that is a fail. So either a wild magic event or you need to fix that result. Ooh, is a wild magic event effect then? Would it make more fire? <laughs> uh, a v- wild magic event for a veil is unlikely to have anything to do with the fire. And it's probably not good for anybody involved. I'm kind of curious what happens. <laughs> Maybe we learn about wild magic a little later. Maybe we just uh, get on the cat slide. Okay, so if I pay a fate point, what do I get to do? That'll either let you re-roll or a plus two. A plus two will solve. Will bring you. Sure. Up. Let's just play a fate point and okay. let's just do the plus two. There you go. Um, just to solve it. Okay. And what aspect are you invoking? I am invoking fantastical facades because this go. is what I do. It is. It is what you do. All right. I'm not cool. Gonna fail. So, you, uh, the two of you, um, are, start running in a, uh, in a, uh, as you turn invisible and you are in a haze of smoke, they're going to come running after you, but between those, those factors that you've created, that's going to be a pretty foregone conclusion that you guys are able to escape. So you go running down the street and they come chasing after you, coughing and waving and and burning through the smoke and uh, trying to chase after you. And they're like, where'd they go? Follow, run, run, run. And you guys go running down the street and you crash into somebody and they know you're there, but they can't see you. And uh, they're running and you see the alley coming up and you turn into the alley and uh, you hear their steps go running past and normally, under better circumstances, you probably would have, like, stopped and approached slowly into the alley. But since you're, like, running and escaping, you turn and you book it into the alley at high speed. And then suddenly the world goes sideways. And you go running and seriously, you feel like the whole world turns to a right angle on its side and... Everything stretches super long and thin, and then it goes whoosh into a tiny little dot, and you you blast through a really what feels like a super long tunnel, and you feel like you get stretched, and you get crunched, and then you get stretched again the other direction, and suddenly you splat on your stomachs. On another alleyway. And both of you are completely sick to your stomach. As the world. uh, Absolutely. 
We're just throwing up you all are, over the place. You are. The world is spinning, and you're just lying there. Oh, miserable! Horrible! Like a really bad night of party. So bad. Oh no. That's a horrible feeling. It's really bad. No one does a cat slide alley for fun. Oh. <laughs> Unless you're really weird. <laughs> so. So we throw up our whole breakfast. Absolutely. That we just had. Yeah, yeah. And we feel super sick. You look up at the sky that is still kind of swirling in a circle above you, and you realize that you can see blue sky. It is the sunny. Sky. And it's hot. And the alleyway that you're in is made of, like, red clay brick rather than, like, white quarried stone. You are pretty sure you're in Perbestet. Oh, no! I mean, yay, but... So, the minute that Mira's, like, head stops spinning and she's sort of able to get her bearings without even... Standing up, she realizes that the ground that she's laying on is warm. And she is just, like, so pleased. <laughs> just like, oh, my gosh, we must be somewhere with sunlight. Just, I feel like Mira is, like, a little bit, maybe just in her spirit, but, like, physiologically, she feels a little bit part plant. That, like, <laughs> when... She has access to sunlight, just like, oh, she breathes a little bit easier. She thrives a little more. She's just so just tamped down without access to the sun. I don't think she maybe even realized it until now that now she's just like, oh, the sun is out. Eleanor is just laying there with a horrible hangover, just hating life at the moment, looking up, seeing the blue sky. Probably not feeling quite what Mira's feeling. Um, just kind of trying to get the world to stop spinning. Well, I'll tell you what helps the world stop spinning for Eleanor is... Oh, no. <laughs> recognizing after a few minutes of, of uh, puking her guts out that there is still a really bad sensation oh, no. in her gut. Oh, no. It's that weight... That ominous sense of presence, and it is worse here. Oh no! Than it was in Paranu. And you know, deep in your bones, he's here. Oh no! But like here with a capital H, like closer with a capital C. <laughs> oh no! Well, I just don't think it's an issue until it's an issue. Yeah, valid. Because Mira's worried about Tomlin and But it doesn't make your stomach feel any better. Okay. Well, Mira tries to collect herself and stand up. Not Mira. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she does, but, you know, go ahead. (laughs) Eleanor tries to collect herself. That's how messed up she is right now. She's like, Um, who am I? (laughs) Just kind of tries to sit. She's not even trying to stand. And she's just waiting for Mira. She's going to let Mira take the lead on this. Because she is just doesn't feel good. Physically. Emotionally. Mentally. It's just not a good day for Eleanor. 
So as Mira is just sort of slowly climbing to standing, um, first thing she's looking around is to see where, to see if her, she recognizes the surroundings to see if we can navigate ourselves to the shadows of blood from our current position. Like if we know where we are, which district we're in. Um, yeah, do we even know we're... where we are? Not at the moment. You're in an alleyway that's now covered in puke. <laughs> we should probably <laughs> So move. that's right. So we stand up and we just want to, Mira's going to like kind of, you know, dust herself off, brace against the wall, mm-hmm. just, okay, we good? We staying vertical? Neat. Okay, one foot in front of the other. All right? Cool, we can accomplish that much. Moving on. So I take one step forward and I try to peek around the corner. We're to not see glamored, if I by the way. <laughs> nope. The glamour's no. gone. There's just no, there's none. No. Okay. So I I want to peek around the corner and see if with with our hoods or with my hood still back on. Yeah. Just like, you know, see if I can peek around before anybody kind of clocks me. Yeah. Um, to see if we can recognize where we are. So as you look around, you see a uh, a busy street just down the way a little bit. So you're you're looking around the corner from an alley. There's a small street that you're looking down and just down at the next intersection of that small street, that small street intersects with a larger street. And on that large street, you see a whole lot of people. There's only a few moving along on the small street. 90% of the people you see are gnolls. Oh no, we're in the knoll quarter. Totally Mm. where we are. All right, so... Duh, I'm going to ask a character que- an in-character question. Yeah. Does Mira have, basically because I want to know, does Mira have a good enough sense of geography to figure out, based on where we are, how to get to Shadows of Blood? So. Because we were there once, and if we know where we are now, does she have a memory enough of know how to get there? Tricky. Mira remembers that the District of the Hyena is in the far northern side of the city, kind of the northeastern side by the entrance. In fact, the original gate you got taken into was through the Hyena Gate, which is the northernmost gate of the city, and the district of the Hyena is up that way. Um, It is to the, you know, the east of the Perfume District, where you guys had the whole adventure with Rahid. So that's the northwest corner of the city. The You remember that there was an enormous major uh, thoroughfare or avenue called the Jackal's Run, which was the southern border of the District of the Hyena, which also ran against the, the Hunt, which is that no-man's land where the vampires feed. And if you take the Jackal's Road all the way out to uh, towards the water, you end up at the Bazaar of Lamentation, which is where there's a lot of other markets going on. And there's also the Flood. And the Flood is an area where people basically live on semi-permanent watercraft that have become homes. And it's all kind of built up. Um, so it's like floating apartments. And tenements, basically. 
And the Shadows of Blood was in the flood. I didn't mean that to rhyme. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, um, finding them again, mildly tricky. You probably can do it once you get there. It might take a little searching, but you know it was in the flood. Because it was okay. very distinct that you were on this, like, houseboat kind of scenario. So, so you don't know you... where you are, but you know that if you head south in the district of the hyena, eventually you will uh, reach the Jackal's Run. And you could probably take the Jackal's Run out to the bazaar and from there find the flood. Like, you're pretty sure you could do that. That would get a lot easier if you head up on your carpet. Yet, Let's do it's that. possibly the most conspicuous thing that we could do upon arriving back in Pervestant. I think we should do it. I think... I think we you think we just gotta hightail it? Yeah. At least. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, Miss Kennett found us when we were like in complete hiding in yeah. a veiled city. Yeah. And we're basically in her hometown at this point. Oh, she but knows where I, we are. She knows we're back here. Like, I have I no doubt she knows exactly where we are. I feel like at this point, everyone knows where we are. We ought to just, like, get on the carpet and, like, ride a little bit. Just so we don't take the walk. speed approach? Yes. <laughs> I mean, what What else? I don't know. I'm sort of like, yeah, what, what else can happen to us? I think we just got to do it. I mean, I'm sure stuff can happen to us, but <laughs> at this point, what else can happen? Let's just Let's just layer it on. At this point, it's conspicuous, it's risky, but I think we're badasses at this point. We just like get on our carpet and we like ride into town like we own this joint. You'll light it up, we right? We've got to get there. Yeah, and it's pretty easy to find the main road and water from yeah. the air. Yeah. And we can always jump off the carpet and hide, tuck it away in our rock That's sack true. if we need to. Yeah. Hey, can I glamorous? I'm not glamorous. Can I veil us on the carpet? You can. Let's do that. You yeah, we like could do like a mirror finish, like a stealth veil on the underside of yes. the carpet. And when people look up, they just see yeah. sky. You have yes. done, you did this before on your on your travel yeah. with the caravan. Hold on before you roll. I just want to you feel like absolute garbage. I do. I am raising the difficulty by one. It is a difficulty three. That's fair. And I will see you with a five. Deal. Awesome. Nice. Okay, so. Silly garbage, but I'm like, damn it, we have to get there. Whoosh. Awesome. Okay, stealth bomber mode. Stealth Go. bomber mode. Yeah, like you've that. done this a few times. This is now a thing you guys do. Is you fly <laughs> invisible on your carpet. It's pretty badass, all things considered. Yes. You should be very proud of yourself. Yes, I am. All right. So... Up in the air, it is quite easy to find the Jackal's Run and also to see the water and to follow that along to the bazaar. From there, it's probably better to get down at ground level because you that's kind of how you saw it. That's going to be easier. And also, it's a lot less... It's frankly not easy to find... Any easier to find their houseboat from the air. So... 
as you are flying toward as you are flying toward the water you're flying above the major run and you do come across the uh you pass on one side the great sand pyramid and this is notable because it's a pyramid made of deep red sandstone blocks but right next to it just to the north side of this pyramid is the pit and that is the big black hole where the sand river terminates so just as a reminder if one of the oddities of Perbestet is there is a river of sand that comes from the east side of the city down by the guard district and it enters the city and it is a flowing river of sand with a current that will sweep you away and drown you in moving sand and it flows north through the city and terminates in the pit and the sand dumps into this endless hole that no one knows where it goes and anything that drops in there disappears forever except occasionally it reappears in random places it's a very weird pit and it's one of the great unknowns of the southlands so you are flying by the great sand pyramid on your way to the uh to the bazaar is that where does meshkenet live so meshkenet is in the big pyramid to the south which is direct the direct center of the city so when you very first entered the city along the great grand avenue the way of bestet you passed by a very large grand pyramid it is the biggest pyramid in the city and it is at right at the center of the city that is her pyramid okay so you are uh you can see it off in the distance it's a few it's a few miles away to the south of where you are flying right now and it's just looming above the rest of the city around it kind of ominously reminding you that that is why you're here that pyramid is notably darker than uh than the sand pyramid that you are flying past right now so you're flying west over the city of Perbestet. It feels kind of weird. It's kind of good. Kind of feels like home. Kind of. We oddly you were here for like long. You weren't here for that long, but it was enough to like really like build a connection and also there's something just tugging at your heartstrings that like may not be entirely natural mira especially you especially are like self-aware enough to like recognize that like something might be going on here but you got feelings for this city that don't seem entirely justified i mean it's that's totally understandable um although it's pretty distracting by just the already overwhelming fact that like 
we are returning to a place for the first, we're returning to some place we've already been for the first time since we've been stranded. Totally. The first place we've been twice. And, and there is something about returning to a place you've already been at the first sort of familiar thing that we've seen. Yeah. Short of like our little, like portal message with the Sultan. It feels like you are returning home with a depth that you're, as you analyze that feeling, Mira, feels a little off, but it's there nonetheless. Huh. Yeah. Perbaset has a way of doing that to people. Okay, so it's not just us. Like, that's just something that does take place yeah. in this place. It's, a it's phenomenon not just... of Perbaset. Okay, so it's not like we've been charmed in a way that was targeted to us. It's nope. just that's something the city does to people. Okay. Yep. Yep. Highly magical city. <laughs> I would agree. In and out of character. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So as you are flying, you notice a scuffle going on down below in a uh, off of a, on a side street and you notice that it's a few cat folk bravos and some knoll thugs duking it out in a side alley and you just doesn't doesn't mean a whole lot but it's something you notice uh that there that there's a fight going on like fisticuffs or like spell slinging? No, no, no. Nothing, nothing that spectacular. Um, fists and weapons. And claws. I say we just scoot on by. Oh, yeah. Not your business. Not your problem. So, you reach the flood. So, you touch down. You stow... The uh, you stow the carpet, and now you are walking around on kind of rickety plank walkway. Uh, walkways? It's the boardwalk. Boardwalk. That's what I'm thinking. You are walking around on rickety boardwalks, and in on either side of you are little floating homes that look like they haven't moved in a long time. And it smells like the river Nuria. And you realize now, because you have you spent some decent time along the river at several points. You you started here in Perbastet and then you headed north along the river, crisscrossing it up to Coromel, and then you headed up to Nuria, and then you left the river to head to Peranu. And now that you've come back to the river Nuria you now realize that you understand the smell of the River Nuria in the air. And you would recognize that smell anywhere in the world now. And it's not something you appreciated before, but now that you've passed along the lengths of the river, you get it. You get it now. So, you weave your way among the flood and something that stands out among the flood here is that there are a lot of crocodile folk here. 
and they tend to only be here. They don't spread out in the rest of the city, and they're here. And you saw them before in, in limited numbers, and you notice that they seem very on guard here. And there's a tension in the air that is a little, that you don't remember from the last time you were here. But the last time you were here, there was a lot going on and it wasn't your first priority. But like, they seem like they're watching and assessing everything walking by for tru for possible trouble. And they're trying to make it very clear that they want none. So, after a few near misses where you almost knocked on a door and then at the last minute went, wait, no, this is not the right place. You reach a spot that you're pretty confident was the houseboat where you had met the Shadows of Blood before. And you're pretty confident you're at the right place now. Do you want to knock? Do you want to take some other approach? I think we knock. They're friends. They yeah. are friends. So the way it works is you you walk across. There's kind of a, a semi-permanent gangplank that you walk across. And there is, it goes right up to a, uh, a, a doorway that is on the side of the boat. So there isn't like an extra pathway that would let you onto the, the main deck. And uh, so you, you walk up and you knock and there's no sound. And you kind of think no one's home after another knock and another listen. Oh, maybe we open oh, the no. door and just say, hello. Anyone okay. home? The door is locked. Oh, well, let's pick that lock. Yeah, Mira's going to pick it with one of her magical lockpicking twigs. Yeah, fair enough. That is a uh, very simple thing. Mira, it's a it's a really basic um, enchantment. Mira, just give me a zero with your magic. I'm just looking to avoid a, ma a, a wild magic event here. Okay. So would I, I would be rolling with focus then. Yeah, yeah, totally. Straight up and down. Actually, not a zero, a one, a one. Okay, three. All right, perfect. It's easy. This is a cheap lock. It's just very basic. And you easily open it up with your magical twig. And you walk in, and it's quiet. But it does look like it's been lived in. They're just not. Like... Okay, but this is not like the place has been tossed nope. and they're... They're just gone. I think we maybe just settle in and maybe just wait for them to come back. Like, we have nowhere else to go in this city, so... Okay. I kind of think we just hang Are out. Are there indications that we're, that we're in the right place? Like, do we oh, see... Oh, this any... is definitely like, the place. You reckon... Once you walk in, you're like, okay, I, this is okay, it. It's not just like someone lives here. It, it's we're in the right place. Yes, 100%. Okay. Yeah, you recognize this room, you recognize the furniture. Like, there's no question this is the place. The, okay. the, yeah, uh, I think we just wait. The room where they conducted the ritual that, uh, and, and gave Eleanor her, her fancy tattoos was down below in the, 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 
the next level down, you recognize this space well. You didn't spend a lot of time here, but you're in the right place. So you hunker down for a little bit, and it, it the, the, the furnishings are very sparse but comfortable. There's some very, uh, there's some big cushy, like, not, there's no couches or anything, but there's big cushions and kind of like beanbag kind of stuff that you can relax in. There is a, uh, there is a spot where you can, um, with a little wood burning stove, you can make tea. You can, you can settle in pretty nicely if you want to. There's a, a small spot where they keep some, some food that will keep for a few days in the heat. There's no ice chest or anything like that. I think we probably just make some very mild tea, like some mint tea or something to kind of help our stomachs and just kind of Ginger rest. tea. Because mm-hmm. we haven't, I mean, we, we had kind of a restful time, but then that was, you know, probably took quite a toll on ourselves to mm-hmm. go through that cat slide alley. Yep. Okay. I also don't think we should like, you know, unpack. Like we don't want to make ourselves at home because we weren't invited in. We don't know okay. how they're going to return. We don't want to look like we just sort of <laughs> made ourselves comfortable and availed ourselves of their home that we broke into. I think that it would just be we should sit politely and maybe boil some water. And Eleanor is definitely it. not feeling good. She's making herself at home. She's like finding if they have like a Pick little off sofa. Shoes. Or like a bed or something to just lay on. She just like wants. She doesn't want to be vertical. She wants to be horizontal. Okay, that's very doable. So you can lay out on a nice, on a nice comfy, um, on a nice comfy large cushion okay. that just cradles you. And Eleanor can either, or sorry, Mira can either sit or stand. About an hour later, you have some time, nice time to just drink your tea and relax a little bit. And it's just nice and quiet. And the house has a very gentle bob to it in the water. About an hour later, the lock turns. And the door opens. And in walk, Tata, the cat folk paladin that you fought with before thetra the raven folk magic user who who perform who gave eleanor her tattoos and sadiq the undercover servant at the pallid court who found you and brought you here in the first place all three of them come walking in, in mid-conversation, and they instantly freeze in the door, and Tata's sword whips out of its scabbard, and he drops into a battle stance, and then there's a moment of, as everyone doesn't breathe, and then they realize who is here. And... It's you! (laughs) <laughs> what are you doing here? And he thrusts his sword back into its scabbard and he rushes over to Mira. 
We are so terribly sorry for the intrusion. We did. We had nowhere else to go. We we had to find. We had to find safety, and we thought first place to come was here. We're so sorry for putting ourselves. You are welcome here. You are welcome here. Of course you are. Oh, where have you been? What have you done? What? Oh, we have. Please, uh, what what can what can we do? And Fetra just comes and puts a hand on his shoulder. We're glad to see you again. I'm glad to see that you have made it wherever you have gone and that you have come back to us. You are, of course, welcome in our home. Mira just, like, bursts into tears. And just, like, starts sobbing and and just like just in like equal measure just like relief and just sort of like being touched by genuine friendship as sort of newly formed as it is just the sense where your body is able to finally like untense like release the tension that like was in her shoulders kind of all the time just like knowing that she's among friends and safety even in the inn we've been talking about how like safe we were there but that was sort of like assumed safety and only proven since we weren't otherwise attacked but like here is like sort of a real first feeling of protection and based on everything we've been through up to now and everything we face going forward just the thought of like i want to tell you everything and I can't even form words right now. She just like breaks down. Oh, Fetra! Fetra gives you a big feathery, beaky hug. <laughs> we'll we'll have plenty of time to to regale you with the the tale of our journey and everything we've been through. For now. Uh, our, just our travels to return to Perbestet have been quite an ordeal, and for now, I think we just need to rest and recover. Eleanor has has been through a lot, even more than than myself, and and I think she may need some seeing too. Fetra looks at you, and uh, she has these dull gray eyes that just sort of look over you. Eleanor still doesn't feel very good, so she's just kind of nodding and hugging people and just, she's letting Mira do all the talking. So Fetra comes and she's, she does a little kind of bird squat next to you. Oh. <laughs> and looks at you with this very analytical expression of just, of assessing what's going on. How are you feeling, dear? I, I'm not feeling very well. We came through a cat slide alley today. Tata pipes up from where he was over trying to fix up some food. You did what? Yes, this morning we woke up in Peranu, and now we are in Perbestet. Minus our breakfast. Ex- <laughs> Excuse me, you were where? Yes, we were in Peranu, and yesterday we had an audience with the God King. Oh, what was his name, Mira? The God King of 
Peranu. Oh, Ersu. Ersu. Right? Sadiq and Tata and Thetra all look at each other like, what the hell? Like, you might as well have just said, yeah, I went and met Walt Disney (laughs) and Abraham Lincoln at the same time. What'd you do for breakfast? (laughs) Yes, we were in Paranu. We met the God King. We found out where the anchor point is for the oasis. And now we are here. And so, as you can see, our heads are spinning just a little bit. And we need just a little bit more time. Eleanor. Are you not going to tell them what you've been through? I also may have given the God King five bottles of my blood. Plus eaten a fig of eternal life. It's been quite a week. (laughs) Ah, I see, says Fetra. Yes, you stay right there. And she heads over to their little kind of kitchen bar area and comes back a moment later with some <laughs> with some kind of crackery bread, some not a big old steak with not a iron. not a steak, <laughs> um, a set of olives and some uh some weird peppery dip that is really juicy and and, and pleasant and you think might have something some kalamata olive stuff going on you're really not sure and you really don't care but whatever it is it's actually like she 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 foisted onto you here eat eat this and she kind of takes a little scoop, kind of just demonstrates the scoop, and plops it in her mouth, and it will help. And sure enough, takes you a few minutes to get started, but once you do, it really actually helps, like, level yourself out. You remember those old V8 commercials from the 80s, like, the people walking on that funny angle? Does anyone else remember those? They made a deep brand impression on me as a kid. Like, so you, you've just felt, ever since you came through the alley, you felt like you were walking on a, like a bit of an angle. And suddenly, like, as you eat this meal, your body feels like you are, like, right side up again. And feeling a lot more grounded. Thatcher knows her stuff. Which is precisely the reason why we've come. So after a little while, they give you guys some space to just kind of eat and recover and talk. And they're, they're, they they let it just kind of be for a little while. But after a while, um, Tata is sitting on a uh, small cushion on the ground, cross-legged. And he looks at you, Eleanor. And says fairly earnestly, so, what's the plan? What's the plan? 
I assume you're, if you've come back to Perbastet, that there's a good reason. I'm figuring you're probably not just moving backwards for fun. Ah, uh, Mira. Mira can tell you why we are here. He looks at you, and uh, his his eyes are just very focused and calm, and he's just patient. Well, the the truth of the matter is, we journeyed all the way to Purnu to find a way to get back home. And in order to do so, we need to perform a ritual that is outside of either of our realms of expertise. But I think with your tutelage, Thetra, I believe, I, I would hope that you'd that you would teach me to do this so that I may perform the ritual myself. Right. Now. She kind of perks up as you start referencing her. She kind of perks up from where she was um, working on something on the other side of the room and moves over and is nodding as you talk. Well, Eleanor is also looking at Mira like, <laughs> and... I'm I'm getting there. So the the truth is um our journey thus far has not been without complication and the the cost of that is being paid with an innocent life. They look very concerned. Someone that I care very deeply for who is an innocent in all of our exploits was caught up and being used as leverage against us. And if we don't go save him, he is doomed to an eternal future of undead servitude to Miss Kennet. Oh man, you are speaking their language. They are like, they look like they are ready to like, storm the castle with you. Oh, wow. Good. What? So, what happened? Tata says. Well, you remember what we told you. Well, let me say this. What did we tell? I don't remember. What did we tell them when we met them? Did we tell them our whole story up to this point? Or did we just tell them the vampire stuff? So, okay, I guess suffice to say, I'll just tell them now, and uh, it's a, either act as a recap to them, or it'll be news. Sure. We, we, when we were set upon and abducted on our first arrival to Perbastet, we later have found out that those that set upon us were on orders from Miss Kennet. We know why she wants us. She wants us alive. And in exchange, she has imprisoned someone who we met along our travels, who I cannot let pay the price for our recklessness. He was taken 
from his home in Nuria Natal. Mira, just tell them who he is. His name is Tomlin, and I care very deeply for him. But what matters to me the most is that he is an innocent, and he is going to pay the price if we are unwilling. He will pay the price with his life if we are unwilling to risk ours. And we are the ones she wants. What Amir is not telling you is that they are romantically involved, if you did not get that from before. He is an innocent, but... Tata looks at you with an odd expression of slight disappointment. And he says, <laughs> And why do you say that like that is a bad thing? I see a woman here who is living and is really ready to risk everything to keep her love living. And he takes your hand in his furry, his furry clawed hand. And that is beautiful. That is a noble mission, my friend. What are any of us doing here? Fighting the fights that we fight. Well, Mira, we have not told them the whole story now, have we? Now they've all looked like, what? Shall we tell them why Tomlin? Why Tomlin was captured? How... As leverage against us. Well, yes. How did Meshkenet get this, this leverage? We don't know if she honed in on the fig that I gave him in order to buy him enough lifespan for my return to him, or if she just has agents and trackers everywhere, which as we know from her delivery of Permissive, we know that she can be anywhere and see anything at any time. Well, there's that and the were tigers who were chasing us. One of them, we don't know if Kenneth got to him or she he got to her. But the were tiger Nikumba, the sorcerer, is still alive. Ah that <laughs> and that is how well we don't know but that's one of the only ways Miss Kenneth could have known where we were and he is still a problem well there it is our complication is thus Miss Kenneth has demanded our surrender. And we know that her motives are that she wants to cultivate a fig tree of eternal life of her own. And 
what she has, that's what she wants that she doesn't have. What she has is a disgraced, one-handed, powerless sorcerer who is in her servitude and Tomlin, an innocent life who should not have been caught up in all of this violence to begin with. So I put it to you, my friends. This is our mission to execute, my mess to clean up, and I certainly would not want to endanger the lives of any more friends. But... Mira, Mira, Mira. (laughs) You saved my life in that pit, in the hunt. Do you remember that? I do. I remember that. In great detail. I remember that deeply as well. Your mission is my mission. If it wasn't for you, I'd be dead anyway. And if I die... At least I'll die fighting that bitch Meshkenit. So, what, we we break into her pyramid of death and doom, find him in the bowels, rescue him, and escape, and maybe only one or two of us die along the way? Is that the plan? Yes? Best case scenario, sounds like. Very good. I need a drink. <laughs> And uh, Sadiq tosses a uh, a wineskin over to him, and Tata catches it and ra- raises a, uh, a a figurative glass to you. And very well, we kick some ass. And he gets up and walks away and goes to his bed. I've had a long day. I'll see you in the morning. That is the most paladin thing I have ever heard anyone say. <laughs> <laughs> That is so fantastic. I love Tata so much. (laughs) Is there anything (sighs) else you'd like to talk about with them before we, everyone kind of rusts for the night? No, I think Eleanor is ready to just crash. Yeah. It's been a rough day. I'd like to talk to Thestra just because my, I mean, I'm, Physically tired, mm-hmm. but I, Mira is physically tired, but Mira wants to, um, sort of get, I don't know. I feel like she's like distract herself with some academia sure. because like right now it's like, oh, cool. My mess endangered my friends. And now I just enlisted more friends to put themselves in danger to fix it all. And while that's cool and awesome, it also, I, She's not super, like, she yeah. still feels bad about it. So she has to, like, you know, get down to, like, business and tutelage. Sure. Fetch well, at least just to kind of get the sense of, like, how long she thinks it'll take. She's maybe going to share her the scroll so she can, re- yep. so Thester can read up on it. I, I think I'd be interested to kind of get her take if she thinks this will be complicated or just time-consuming or if she's ever seen anything like this before. Yeah. So... 
as you open, as as you share the scroll with her, and she kind of looks at it for a, a, a few minutes, and she's sort of clucking and nodding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Hmm. She sort of taps her her little clawed uh bird-like fing- uh, fingers on the on the table as she's as she's reading it Whew. this is well this is something i've never done this type of spell before but i understand how to do it um she sort of taps a spot on the page are you are you aware of what must be given for this to work there's there are prices that must be paid which is not uncommon with powerful magic did the god king mention that when he gave it to you he did unfortunately good i know all too well what this will take good in that case yes i could teach you how to how to perform this there are some fundamentals that must be mastered first that I think, given your experience, I think you can do. So, but it it will take a few days where you're not running off trying to save someone's life, you understand. I do, and I'm hoping, short of those that already are, I'm hoping that we don't need to be gallivanting off defending innocents at least tomorrow very good then yes i can teach you and i will teach you i would be most most grateful good good um hmm she walks over to one of her, uh, she goes over to a little chest, opens it, rummages around, comes back and brings you a, uh, an, a, a, a collection of, a sheaf of paper rolled up into a, a, a thick scroll, hands it to you, and it, it's a, it seems like it is a, um, a bit of study material. And, uh, here. This is my, old training manual forgive my notes and scrawlings throughout it's a good reference that i keep coming back to because the fundamentals are very sound and i think this will give you something to start from read through this and we will begin some working as soon as you decide that you are ready to spend a few days focused on this we, and she holds up her clawed finger and and uh, just kind of taps it on your chest. But we will get you there. I can, I promise you this. 
if there is anything that I can do in exchange to show my appreciation. You are sharing with me a great skill. And if I can use mine in exchange, um, I'd like to perhaps talk with you about what's been going on here. I feel like everyone's a bit on edge, more so than when we last left. If there's any way, I know we just talked about not gallivanting off and rescuing more innocents than are already <laughs> imperiled. Um, if there's anything that I can do to lend aid to whatever tensions uh, you may be experiencing uh, since we left, has everything been the same? No, no, the city has gone to hell in the last several weeks. Oh, my goodness. After you left, there has been nothing but unrest and violence in the streets ever since. It began with an increasing tension between the gangs of catfolk and those of the gnolls, and there has been increasing turf wars between all of all of the groups, and even those who have never been involved in crime before find them seem to be aggressive. All of the cats in the city have become territorial, and more than one, more than one city lion has eaten its handlers. And somehow, we're not quite sure what was go what is going on, but the pallid court has come out in force. Whenever there is a fight between these rival gangs in the streets, it's only a matter of time before they arrive, and somehow they seem to have permission to hunt and feed if it's breaking up violence between the catfolk and the gnolls. And then there are patrols of the dead, and they are out in greater force than before. But the catfolk and the gnolls seem to evade them easily, because they're not very smart. And But the regular folk are are, well, they're on edge because one is never sure when the next fight is going to break out. It's everywhere. It's not just in their districts. It's spilled out through the entire city. It's not a good place right now. Did you notice if there was a singular event that set all of this off, or was it just sort of general rising of tensions? It seemed like a swift escalation of tensions. The catfolk and the gnolls have never been particularly amiable. But something happened, and none of us really know what. There has been whispers of a figure calling herself the Queen of Cats. Oh, no. Oh, but no. we've mostly focused ourselves on the presence of the vampires. So, so Mira is immediately thinking about 
Hannah. Of course. And, of course. Oh, like, okay, that explains that. But like way more concerned with with Eleanor's recent caginess and and sort of we are now in sort of the 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 anti vampire sort of rogue den. Oh yeah. And, I re- and so like okay, that explains that. <laughs> so she's gonna focus her attention. Um and um and so she said so she sort of has, she tries to like shake it off and just go oh no and but not let Thetra know that like she knows exactly what is causing it because I don't want her to ask me any more questions because <laughs> another mark we left on for best that when we left um but uh she turns and says um what does what does Sadiq know about the uh, the unrest at the pallid court what's what's going on over there has there been any any catalyst or any other event oh oh you left you left a mark when you left lady alashra you shook the confidence of the rest of the court and she had to do something in order to regain to not lose their following we believe that is why they're out in force in the city in order we think that in order to regain their respect alashra went to someone maybe nafrini maybe neshkenet we don't know and negotiated some sort of aid that they would somehow break up the ba- the the fight between the cats and the gnolls but it's given them rain to hunt where they don't normally hunt. And through that, she has reasserted her authority with the group. Because you shook them. And you embarrassed her. So is the sentiment around the court that she's done so successfully or is there still some debate on that point there is and actually then you hear sadiq's voice come in there is something else a recent um development uh he walks in and he's kind of brushing his hands off like he was just working on some something around the boat someone has arrived. And I've never seen him. He hasn't appeared. He hasn't appeared in Alashra's court. But everyone's whispering. They know someone is there. They can feel him. There's a a sense of menace in the pallid court that I've noticed. And I don't know what it is but they're talking about someone else who has arrived. Eleanor's perked up just slightly. She's like laying down mm-hmm. and just sort of like, oh no, oh no, her deepest fears are confirmed. All I know is that once he did arrive, 
there was some some sort of scuffle inside the palace. And one of Alashra's lieutenants was destroyed. Not just injured, but destroyed quite messily. And ever since then, we've all been ordered to avoid the southwest lower level. And I'm not getting any closer than I have to. Understandably so. So in all these whispers, has there been a name or any identifying title that we may know more about this person? No name, but the rumor is that it's a lord from the north. So Mira glances over and sees Eleanor stirring and is maybe trying to galaxy brain and connect some pieces, but, you know, without anything, you know, without any point of reference, you know, certainly maybe connecting cause and effect, but without, but it's interesting enough that Hmm. she's just going to kind of tuck that away and maybe address it when everybody's a little fresher in the morning, but like all of her alarm bells from the morning are now sort of creeping back up. Sure. Okay. Eleanor is not... She's just listening. She's taking it in. She is not telling anybody anything yet because she's just hoping that it's just coincidence. Surely a vampire lord from 250 years ago would not appear in Perbastet. Why Why would they even be here? That makes no sense. It's just... It's not going to happen. Why, indeed. Okay. Does everyone go to bed? Yes. I think so. I think that's enough sort of reconvening with old friends. Sure. And burning the midnight oil. So before we before we end, Eleanor has another dream. Oh, no. <laughs> so. She needs to lay off the peyote. <laughs> so she is... She is running, and she's running through dark, narrow streets, and it feels, and you, you, you feel this burning, piercing pain down in your lower right rib where his dagger pierced you 250 years ago, and it's burning, and you can't breathe, and you're your hand is running along the wall that you're trying to stand up, keep yourself standing up. And you realize that the wall is made of solid, fleshy, bloody substance. And you take your hand away and your hand is covered in blood. And you turn a corner to your right and you turn another corner to your left and you're trying to run and you look behind you and whip as you turn as you as you whip around the corner you catch a sight of a bony shadowy winged form chasing behind you and you fall into a you you suddenly 
fall into a well and you feel yourself stretching and squishing and you come out the other side into another another uh, uh another set of walls and you're running and you're crawling and then everything goes dark and the pain in your side goes away and you realize that you're sitting up in your in your bed in a cold sweat again.